your farm and your future matter to us. Welcome to Dairy Stream, a podcast focusing on opportunities and challenges impacting the future of dairy. This podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations fighting for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Joanna Guza. Welcome back to the second part of our four-part workforce series focusing in on a workable workforce. This episode will focus on how to retain employees and keep them engaged. Our guests today are Joni Booth. She is the Strategic Account Executive at Beamery. Her expertise includes talent accusation and management, performance management, employee experience, and workforce planning. We also have with us dairy farmer Sandy Larson. She manages Larson Acres in Evansville, Wisconsin. She oversees 75 employees that care for 2,800 cows and 5,000 acres. In this first part, we're going to focus in on retention. Joni, if you could kick off our conversation talking about some of the main ways to retain employees. Yeah, I am happy to. And before I jump into some of the ways to retain employees, I just wanted to set a little bit of the stage of why retention is so important in today's market. So Deloitte recently published their CEO survey results from late 2022, and over 50% of CEOs expect a labor and skills shortage that will disrupt their business strategy within the next 12 months. In addition to that, Corn Ferry's Future of Work report study finds that by 2030, there will be a global human talent shortage of more than 85 million people. So left unchecked, in 2030, that talent shortage could result in about $8.5 trillion in unrealized annual revenue. So definitely business imperative to uh, have a really big focus on retention. And there's a lot of different studies out there around how to retain employees. And one recently that I have dove into is Culture Amp's turnover study. Now, in their turnover study, they found that there were three main reasons employees leave organizations. The first is around career growth. So employees who left answered less favorably to questions like, I believe there are good career opportunities for me at said company. Um, additionally, one in three employees choose lack of growth as their top reason for leaving at the time of exiting. The second main reason was around role expectations. So employees end up leaving if they feel like their role was not relative to what was described to them in the interview and application process. And then last but not least, I believe because of inclusion reasons. So people who answer less favorably to questions around things like belonging and inclusion end up leaving at a much quicker rate than those who answer those questions favorably. So just to recap, career growth, role expectations, and inclusion are the top three reasons why employees leave organizations. So what we can do to really solve some of those retention issues, so three big points here. First, be transparent as possible. 
So transparency is essential to building a solid culture and nurturing that trust. Two, build a strong culture. So this starts with your core organization values as that will drive your entire employee experience. Values are really those defining elements of an organization and a code of ethics that informs how employees should behave. Last but not least, continuous feedback. So that culture of transparency really should go always. So peer-to-peer -peer feedback, peer-to-manager feedback, leader-to-employee -to feedback, um, ensuring that there is feedback in an organization allows long-term success and allows for that feeling of trust that way I spoke about in the first area of transparency. And thanks for laying that foundation. And we did talk about in our last episode about that onboarding process, but you're just reemphasizing how important it is to make sure that they are in the right spot. How, from your perspective and your experiences, how do you make sure someone is in the right job, in the right role? That's something that I have spent um, over 10 years and <laughs> thinking about and adjusting as time has gone on and the talent marketplace has really shifted. So now there is really this big emphasis around skills. So understanding the skills needed for each job in your organization is that first step in ensuring that a job is the right fit for someone. So instead of looking at specific job roles, we really need to start understanding the skills needed to execute the demands or functions of that role. Once you understand those skills, understand the skills that you have currently in your organization, you can then go out and really, instead of just looking and posting job descriptions, you can start emphasizing the skills needed. That will allow you to have a wider talent pool than just kind of a standard job description posting. And it also um, allows for you to understand the skills someone brings to their employer that might not be a word for word match on a job role or job description. Now, if that person then gets into a role um, around skills that doesn't fit their skill set, a few things that will happen. One, it's going to lead to immediate frustration. And we know that in that, uh, what we said about retention and job expectations. Um, so it will lead to that, that frustration and it will definitely lead to performance issues down the road. And one thing we're going to jump in with Joni a little bit later in this part of Dairy Stream is talking about those retention interviews and maybe we'll get some more specifics on what those look like. But Sandy, I'd like to sh get your perspective. How does your farm and what efforts do you guys have in place to help retain employees? So you spoke about the values and our values is rise to the cream of the crop and rise stands for respect, innovate, stewardship and engage. And that's in our employee handbook. So we and we do have it on shirts and sweatshirts and it's posted around the farm so that each team knows what's important, what's the values for the farm. So we do try to emphasize that um, right from the beginning when they're hired. I also do, you know, I want to have a good culture. And so a lot of the same words that, that Joni used, so we do. Um, we have monthly activities. It might be a lunch in the lounge for all the, the employees. It might be a monthly activity. Count the jelly beans in the jar for Easter or it's how many pumpkin seeds are in the pumpkin. S super simple. They win a prize. It gives a little bit of engagement, kind of some fun. 
we do anniversary gifts besides just getting an extra bonus in their check. I do a handwritten thank you. Um, I give them another item like a trinket of Larsnakers stuff for their anniversary. And we also do planned events with families like Santa Claus comes to the farm. Uh, we love that. I love seeing their families and their kids. We have an appreciation party with their families in the summer here at the farm. Get a bounce house. We have some food. We had the riding the bull last year. That was a big hit. We won't have that every year, but um, that's been a lot of fun. We also sponsor a soccer team. Well, I have I've had up to about six employees on that team or I've picked up an employee or two from the team that were, you know, friends. So that's been a good way for me to get some new employees. So I think I've been doing some of the right things um, based on experts, based on values and culture. So it feels really good. Is money the big item that's going to keep people at the farm or with a business? Joni, from your perspective, is money, those bonuses and incentives worth it? And should farms have them available or businesses have them available? This is a very hot topic, commonly debated, that's for sure. And so what we see in the data is that money is not the primary driver for retention, turnover, engagement, but it is still an important factor. Mm -hmm. So during, and we could put whatever label we want it on it, the last couple of years, great resignation, great reshuffle, uh, great reassessment, whatever you want to call it. Basically a bunch of people decided, hey, I want to try something different. Some of that was motivated by just different kind of qualities and the re-emphasis around well-being. Some of that was driven by money. I mean, the, the, some of the um, salaries that were being paid in 2021 and early 2022 were extravagant. Um, so there was definitely that aspect of it. Um, so while better pay is cited for leaving an organization, it's often really about fairness and equity in compensation. So it's not necessarily people leaving to say, hey, I'm going to go make 10% more at this other organization. When we dig a bit deeper in there, it's really about, I don't believe I was paid fairly for my performance at this current organization. And that's motivating them to leave. We definitely see it. It's out there. I think the, the great resignation really emphasized some of that, but overall, it's not a primary driver. Interesting. And I'd be curious to know is like, you know, some people are looking at that salary index. So what other businesses might be paying? And I know farms are constantly looking like, hey, is the neighbor next door paying more? Joni, would you agree that as long as you're in that index and in that proper paying level, you are safe because you don't want to be lower than your competitors? Exactly. Yep. So fair market value and then ensuring that you do feel like in comparison, once you're in the organization, that you're paid comparatively, then it, we see it not be as much of an issue. Sandy, from your perspective, is money a big item when it comes to retention on the farm? I would say not exactly, but a year and a half ago, there just were so many jobs available. And if somebody wants to work, they could go make more money somewhere else. Would they enjoy that job as much? Probably not. So we did do significant raises about a year and a half ago just to keep people from looking and it worked. They, they stopped looking and then now it's just the cost of living increase, which is not 3%, you know, so it's staying in the market. It's going to keep you relevant and people will be happy. 
we do like to promote from within. That's been really successful for us. Training some people and moving people around has been really fun to watch. So having an opportunity to be promoted has been a benefit here as well. We do do like a total rewards package for everybody. So it's not just like, what are you getting in your paycheck? It's, it's the health insurance that we pay for. It's the uniforms. It's the PTO. So we once a year show them their whole package. Like this is the value of working at Larson Acres and not just the dollar per hour. And how is that shown? Is that on their pay stub or uh, in a thank you? How do you display that? We are trying to get as many in to see the um, HR um, that we have on staff. And so they know then what she can help them with, you know, and she meets with them. She's got a, the best handle on all that. So they get a spreadsheet that's just theirs that they can take home. Now, initially, we were talking with Joni about the importance of having those follow-up interviews. With new employees, what does a you know 90-day retention interview consist of? So there's two things when I think about kind of retention interviews that come to mind, um, especially in that early days of, of, of people starting in your organization. So the first is around kind of understanding their onboarding experience. So those are typically done by either a single point in time or phased onboarding surveys, which when you think of a survey, you can think survey monkey, you can think of very sophisticated organizations like CultureAmp, like a Gallup. But the purpose of that is a little bit different than the purpose of stay interviews that I'll talk about. So I hope you don't mind if I do kind of those in two different sections. Measuring that onboarding experience is really important because overall that onboarding program, the purpose of it is to decrease the time it takes an employee to contribute and more likely stay at your organization. Ensuring that you have feedback on how that onboarding program is going is really critical to your business success. So onboarding surveys or interviews can help you identify the gaps that were in your recruiting, hiring, and onboarding kind of programs or process. So components to measure in an onboarding survey are kind of expectations of roles. So what we talked about in the, the retention section and making sure that what you advertised is how that person believes and thinks that their job is going now. So understanding if there's any gaps there, their confidence to perform the role. So if something was missed in the onboarding program and they're not fully confident to go out there and, and really perform, we need to know that. We need to know if they're feeling like they belong at the organization. So are those values and, and the culture feeling very supportive? Are they feeling like they're productive? Is there any knowledge gaps that are being missed? What was their decision to join? So what's interesting is some of those onboarding surveys can then also give you an insight into pipeline, talent pipeline in the future. Their decision to join was because of the great soccer team, Sandy, that's that sponsored. Or is it because they saw your um, logo and being advertised and they went up to an employee and talked through that? So there's a lot of different aspects of that onboarding survey. The last I would say is just an overall kind of tactical logistics. Was my application process, was my onboarding process, was that in a streamlined way or was it really difficult and challenging for me to apply to your organization? Was it difficult for me to sign up for my benefits? Was it difficult for me to understand the organization overall? So that really helps you understand if there's any gaps in any of that kind of recruiting onto through onboarding process. 
Now, those are usually conducted then by HR. So that's a significant difference than what I'm going to talk about with stay interviews. So stay interviews can be done, they're typically done with high performers, but can also just be done overall if you're worried about turnover and retention overall. Now, one of those stay conversations or interviews should typically be done by the person's manager or maybe think skip level leader. And the purpose of that is to understand why they like working at your organization and what, if anything, they would change about the organization, their team or their role if they could. Those state interviews try to gather as much information on how to improve the employee experience for that one individual as possible. And what it also does is create some of that transparency, feedback, and trust between that manager or leader and that employee. Good stay interview questions are things like, what do you like most about working here? What do you like least? If you could change one thing, what would it be? Do you feel valued at work? Why or why not? What do you need that's preventing you from reaching your goals as an employee? How can we best support you in achieving those goals? How would you rate your work-life balance? Do you feel properly recognized at your organization? Why or why not? And then the trickiest part to both of these things is don't ask unless you can act. So Never, ever do a survey, ask for feedback, any of that, unless you're prepared to take action, because the most disengaging thing you can do, get that feedback and do nothing with it. Right. I laugh because I know I've experienced that in myself. And I know that we, you have the best intentions and then you don't follow through on, on actually making things better. Joni, I want to go back to the 90-day retention. And you were talking about you know being straightforward and you gave some really nice examples of for your state interview with that 90 day retention, is it still kind of those simple, straightforward was how was the interview process? Uh, Did you feel that we laid out all the expectations properly? Is that what those questions should look like? Yeah. And actually I know culture amp publicly lists a lot of the questions in their like onboarding templates and things. So you can always take a look and I'm sure a lot of other organizations do that as well. Typically, it's better for your your HR team if you're compiling data to do kind of rated questions uh, so you can track that progress over time versus the more open-ended qualitative um, information. So take a look around resources for onboarding surveys. There's tons of questions out there you can grab, but my advice would be to keep it pretty short, succinct, and also that quantitative measurement so you can track that progress. I'm curious from your experience, is it better to have that one-on-one conversation, you know, with the HR manager or the owner? And what about the potential of, you know, like I think about on farms, they have their milking group, their feeding group, their crops group. When is there a benefit to kind of bring them together as groups and kind of almost do like a retention interview? So that we actually would recommend doing kind of a, a, at least once a year engagement survey. So that allows you then to see by group how people are feeling around the elements of what drives engagement. 
And then, so when you get those groups together to have these conversations, the retention interview is definitely a one-on-one, but overall, what you'd want to do after getting those results is get those groups together and have that transparent kind of feedback and conversation. But what the results allows a manager or leader of those groups to do is it allows them to give direction and structure to the conversation. Oftentimes employees are, can be hesitant to be transparent, especially in a larger group. And, or you might have one or two employees that kind of are the comfortable being outspoken. And so then it's made an assumption that the whole group feels that way. So when we get that confidential feedback via a survey mechanism, it allows you to understand, okay, Here's holistically what people are thinking, and let's dive a bit deeper, open up the conversation to set up some action plans to really tackle some of the either systemic kind of issues or opportunities we saw in the survey, or maybe it's just as simple as let's meet more as a group or more one-on-one so that people can feel like they have that kind of two-way feedback. Final question as we wrap up this first part of Dairy Stream. Sandy, I'd like you to answer first. And then, Joni, if you have anything to add to it, what are some outside factors of the farm or business that are essential to making sure that the employees are comfortable in the community? And because we have a very broad variety of our workforce, whether they are different cultural backgrounds, different age groups, how do we make sure that they feel a part of the community? Because work isn't everything. Yeah, that's a tough question. When I first thought about what would be outside the farm, it's it's having the housing available for employees. So probably we have enough housing for about half of our employees. So they have a place to be when they get a job here at the farm. It's close to the farm. That's nice to have. You know, and we'd like to do more, you know, in the community as far as like volunteering. You know, those are some things that we haven't done yet, but I think they'd be beneficial. Or we donate to something that's important to our employees. If it's a, you know, the Alzheimer's Association or a cancer society or a food pantry, we do some of that. But there's a lot more that we could be doing. And Joni, from your perspective? I'll come at this from a little bit of a different angle, um, just because a lot of the work we've seen over the last couple of years has been around well-being. So how do we ensure that employees aren't just engaged and retained and productive at our organization, but also are thriving from a well-being perspective? And there's really five elements to well-being. So the first is around career well-being, which if they're employed and they are engaged and happy at their job, check. We're, we're good there. The second is around social well-being. So now employers have a little bit of a say in this because you are working with other people, right? There's going to be social interaction. And it sounds like with like the lunches, um, Sandy, that you do, that social well-being is being encouraged, which is great. The third is around financial well-being. So not just that doesn't just mean kind of a paycheck, but also how are you helping employees? And it sounds like Uh, Sandy, with your overall compensation package that you're showing them all of the different financial well-being aspects that your organization is providing them. So that's fantastic. Then the next two elements, physical well-being. So how are we ensuring that we're promoting things, uh, good health 
overall. So whether that's information around how great dairy is for your health and well-being, all that good stuff, or it's just the fiscal element. How are we being at the with our um, soccer teams, et cetera? Then the final thing is around community well-being. So there definitely is an aspect to where you live and how involved you are with your community overall that really does impact an individual's well-being. So as much as we can encourage that as an employer, the better. Our guests today have been Joni Booth. She is the strategic account executive at Beamery. And also with us is Sandy Larson, owner of Larson Acres. This first part focused in on retention. Next, we're going to jump into engagement. So make sure you stay with us. We will be right back with Dairy Stream after we hear from our sponsor. Compier Financial is the leading financial service provider for agriculture and rural communities. Compier Financial serves the needs of farmers and neighbors with local offices in Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. To learn more, visit Compier.com or contact them at 844-426-6733. Trademarks of Compier Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Thanks for sticking with us. The Dairy Stream Podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. The second part is going to focus on keeping your employees engaged. Our guests today are Joni Booth, she's the strategic account executive at Beamery and also dairy farmer Sandy Larson, owner of Larson Acres located in Evansville. Joni, to kick off our conversation, what should businesses be doing to keep employees engaged? Yeah, this is a great question because it changes quite often, not only from time period to time period, but it also from organization to group to team. I mean, it can range across the board, which is why feedback is the very first step. So you can definitely read a bunch of articles out there and and research papers about what drives engagement and there's good content in there. But I just put that with a little bit of an asterisk because every organization is so unique. So getting that feedback and understanding where your employees needs are met and where they are not met is critical in understanding any of the strategies that you would need to put into place. Now, I found confidential surveys to be a great tool to really understanding how your employees are feeling as they're more likely to be honest and transparent if they have some sort of way to give feedback in a more confidential manner. Um, But if you don't have the ability to do those surveys, and again, if you, I know a lot of the, the big organizations out there, you can really get their expertise for a pretty minimal fee with their kind of SaaS solutions there. But if you don't have the ability to do a survey, even via Microsoft Forms, Google Forms, SurveyMonkey, whatever those mechanisms are, then I would definitely encourage those stay interviews. Those stay interviews, if you do and and you put into place kind of a overall stay interview strategy and you have your managers and leaders come back to you with the key themes that they found amongst their team that also has the ability to create some of that overall action plans and how you can improve any of those gaps. And those stay interviews have that added benefit of creating and building that trust because there is that two-way dialogue happening between an employee and a manager. So overall, try to get as much feedback if you can. That will help you understand where to act and I know I said this earlier, but it's worth mentioning again, 
Don't ask if you're not ready to act. So ensure that you have the capacity from a resource perspective. That means time. That means sometimes financial resources. That means your managers and leader buy-in because the worst thing you can do is ask and not do anything. I know one thing, just putting this out there, I've been skeptical about whether is it really confidential. I don't want to give my full opinion about something because I'm worried about losing my job. Now, how can businesses or farms display that it really is confidential or maybe there's something on the farm or at the business that someone can, like, I think of a little jar and putting a note inside of it that keeps it confidential. That's why I really do encourage a third party helping you with this. And again, there's definitely solutions that are out there that have a lot of value from a cost perspective because you will get that skepticism. Now, if you have to do a survey monkey type survey or Google form, Microsoft form, it's important then uh, that your communication strategy around the why you're doing it and who has access to individual responses and be very specific about that is important for people to feel more confident. So ensuring a strong communication plan either way with very clear, transparent communication around who is going to see what can help. I will also say the action part helps a lot with the skepticism. So oftentimes, first round of it, people might say, okay, I don't know if I trust this. I'll either not answer or I'll answer pretty favorably. I'm just going to see this process out. If they then see that the overall owners, the leaders, managers of the organization are taking the feedback seriously, respecting the confidentiality and making changes from it, you typically have that skepticism go down kind of every single time you run it then. Great insight. And Sandy, from your perspective, what has your farm done to keep employees engaged? We do um, some training. Most teams get together at least uh, with an outside consultant every other month. And it's training, it's education. So it's not like, here's all the things you're doing wrong please do better. It's more, it's just kind of a topic and it might be retraining, um, it might be education, it might be like, for example, the calf barn raises the calves up to five months of age. Well, then where do they go? We, we took them on a field trip to our heifer barn. They didn't know where they went. They'd never been there, it's five miles away. They come here and they work in their one area. Another example is doing the farm tours because you know the milkers come, they milk in this parlor. Well, they didn't know where maternity was right here. Like they just didn't, they didn't know, you know, everything else on the farm. So I think that that's makes everybody feel like they're all part of one team and not individual teams. So I really like doing the farm tours with them. We also do newsletters, employee newsletters. We have an employee of the month now. They're nominated by peers and we choose one and they get a gift card. And then we learn a little bit about that person that's posted in the lounge. We also like to post our KPIs so that all the teams see you know, how many cows are we milking? How much milk are we getting? What is our somatic cell count? Like everybody working together helps us get those KPIs. So we want to share that with everybody. So those are some things that we think are important. We also do the one week, the 30, 60, 90 day check-ins. We could do better at that. Some managers are better than others, but we have the tool and it's, we need to make sure we're using the tool so we get the benefit from that. And Sandy, with those three examples you just gave, what's the timeline? Like you mentioned the tours, is that once a month on a quarter basis? 
the tour happens probably on each team maybe once a year so like we have some required training to do for you know the national farm program like we have to do some training so then the other months we can fill in with a different topic something that's off topic from their department or that's where we take the tour so it's probably about once a year for each team but really with all those touch points you probably are talking to them almost every other month or showcasing them especially with the employee of the month that's correct one thing i just wanted to uh, note with what just sandy just said there's two things that i heard really pop out there first around your tying every individual's job to the overall purpose or overall kpis of the organization like that is such a big important part of engagement and then second doing those tours allows them to see oh maybe as a next career step i want to try that so i loved sorry sandy i just loved hearing that because those two big factors popped into my mind now joni does engagement look different for new versus long-term employees yes it does new and versus long-term employees there is definitely a difference in engagement which um, kind of the industry terms like the honeymoon effect so typically the first six months to up to a year of an employee joining or an organization they will have higher engagement levels than the rest of the organization so it kind of looks like an inverted bell curve because then at the end you also get a little bit of a lift so we talk about the kind of the the window into retirement there mm. <laughs> typically you see a lift at the you know early stages and at the end stages now i will caveat that with that can actually be reversed in organizations if that onboarding process and program and all of the steps involved that has to be sufficient if it's not then engagement levels in new hires we actually see the reverse they don't feel like they know the organization they don't feel very productive they don't feel like they belong so then we would see the reverse in the engagement factor but overall in general the data shows new hires are much more likely to be engaged than um, after they they hit that one year mark so then what's your tips or advice then to keep that long-term employee engaged i mean i know you talked about some of those retention interviews is there anything else to make sure that they feel that they're a part of the team and keeping them engaged so this is going to be such a, a consultant answer with <laughs> It depends <laughs> with, uh, you know, it, it just varies organization by organization. Now I would say the biggest component in that is what conversations are they having with their direct manager or leader, whomever that they are reporting into, that is going to be key. So if you don't have a person with kind of just the talent and the training and the skills to lead other people in a managerial role that can no matter systemically at the farm, what you are doing to improve engagement, those efforts will typically be negated by a poor manager. So overall, if that's going to be my number one tip, um, of ensuring that conversations are are happening between employee and manager and that those conversations are being done in a, in a productive and, and respectful way. And Sandy, from your perspective on the farm, does engagement look different between your long and new employees? 
I'm trying to figure that out. So that was a great question because it does seem repetitive at times. You know, we do post anniversaries and birthdays in the lounges so everybody knows. They get, like I said, anniversary gift. They get a card from me. But new this year is is every 5, 10, 15, 20. We've got some 25-year ones. They're going to get a jacket, and it's going to say years of service. So it kind of really gives them to buy in. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, they have this many years of service at the farm. They get a jacket they get to pick out. So we're super excited to roll that out this year. But, you know, I just think it's just hard. Uh, it's important to me to know every employee and to touch them at least once a week and it's hard especially the third shift crew but that's important to me you know and at 75 employees I can still do that I know if you have hundreds that's probably not realistic but that to me is a little bit different you know you know the families you know the employees better um, working on my Spanish a little bit too for those employees it's just touching them it means a lot I think two more questions as we wrap up this part of dairy stream Joni, when we talk about incentives, do incentives work to keep employees engaged and what types of incentives should businesses try? Yeah, this kind of goes back to our overall kind of compensation package. It's not going to be the sole driver of engagement, but really we look at it, um, the overall package should really reflect what your company actually values. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, if your company uh, really values the community aspect, there should be some benefits where, hey, you if you um, donate to this community nonprofit, then we will match it or we will also donate. So the compensation package just needs to ensure it's aligned to those values with flexibility, better um, paid leave policies, and any other kind of well-being perks, gym membership reimbursement, that sort of stuff, it has to be meaningful to your employees. And often that actually matters more than the overall just simple kind of pay and salary conversation. The other aspect to incentives is really this concept of recognition. So recognition is a really critical factor to drive engagement. Now, recognition also means very different things to different people. So the important part about recognition is to make sure that you're having conversations with your employees about how they like to be recognized. Because nothing can be <laughs> nothing can be worse than assuming that all employees love public recognition and you do an awards ceremony and you call them up on stage and they are completely mortified, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to really ensure that uh, the recognition for each person is matching their kind of personal preferences for that recognition in order for that to be meaningful. And it's interesting how that kind of stays in the back of your head when you get even a personal recognition from your superior uh, of even just a nice job with the compliment of you did X, Y, Z good and being specific on your compliment too. Sandy, exactly. from your perspective, has your farm used any incentives to help with engagement? Yeah, I guess I would call them benefits that we offer to all employees that I could add in would be like we have a cell phone plan that if they've been here for two months, they can get on our cell phone plan. We also have health insurance and they could uh, change their level um, of insurance um, to what suits them. We also have uniforms and boots that come in once a year too. So we have benefits, but they're for the whole farm, um, not necessarily work-related incentives. Mm -hmm. 
but that all are things that make them feel a part of the team. Final question as we wrap up this episode of Dairy Stream. Joni, what are some resources available to help employees stay engaged? So some websites that I often frequent, um, Sherm's website has a lot of good uh, resources and materials for HR owners, leaders to download, understand kind of what is the lay of the land and really gives good actionable tips. Um, so that's definitely one. The other, I've, I've worked for both Culture Amp and Gallup, and both of those are employee experience organizations. So around employee engagement, performance management, both have really great resources that are available to download. So there's downloadable resources that say, you know, what, how to, how to actually do a stay interview. So you can download that guide and be able to go confidently run some of those stay interviews. Um, it will also talk about if you do want to do any sort of surveying, um, has survey templates out there for free. You can download and utilize some of those um, questions. And then um, I would say just overall resources for organizations and leaders. It's important to however you can make sure you're having those transparent conversations with your employee base. If you're most comfortable downloading a guide that has questions to ask employees, like how they want to be recognized, et cetera, go grab those resources, but it just has to be authentic to you. Mm -hmm. So employees see through that kind of authenticity really, really quickly. So ensuring that you are being vulnerable in those conversations, that's really how you will get that meaningful connection. And Sandy, what types of resources have you utilized on the farm? If you go onto the National Farm Program, they too have templates that'll help you with employee you know, handbooks or just a lot of different templates they've been creating. So that's a nice resource. I work with uh, Forte Dairy Consulting. She's my go-to as far as coming up with her educational plan for the whole year. I've talked with other farmers. I know that they do a really good job of this, so I'll call them up or I've gotten phone calls and I just you share. Why recreate something that someone's doing well? So we share that a lot. And there are some vendors that we work with that maybe have a better HR resource or they can reach out and say, hey, help us with that onboarding. They have ways or means to bring in some experts to help farms do that utilizing the resources that we already have right in front of us, just might not know that they're there. Retention and engagement has been our topic in this part of the Workable Workforce series. Our next episode is going to focus in on coaching and counseling. So make sure you stay with us. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joanna Guza for Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, email us at podcast at dairyforward.com.